Oh, today's stuff is Mem Gimel. We pick up um, in the middle, bo- middle bottom of Mem uh, Betamut Bet. We pick up with, um, we're dealing with this fascinating um, phenomenon of a middle, of, an, of the status of an Evid that's in this middle uh, status. So partly we have an Evid that's half free and half owned by his master. And the question was, well, he worked for his master half the time and for himself half the time, but what's his personal status? For Esther, for example, he's caught between, mar- he can't marry a, Jew, uh, a free woman or a slave woman um, and what about even for monetary issues if he's gored so yesterday the Gemara said that uh, I mean who owns him so the Gemara said that if it's a permanent uh, sort of damage uh, rips off his arm he's killed then he's seen as being owned by both parties um, and it's split between himself or his heirs and we'll see about his heirs in a minute and his master if it's a temporary damage his arm swells up he can't work for a period of time then if that's considered to be a form of injury and not just a form of uh, payment for lack of labor which um, wouldn't apply by an ox but if it's a form of injury then because that's not a permanent damage that goes to the person whose day it is okay so that was one level of discussion when it happened when when the goring happened and the other discussion was how about somebody that is supposed to be freed and you have two scenarios of that you have the guy that's half owned but because we now rule like Beit Shammai we force the master to free him so uh, that's one uh, scenario and maybe a more easy scenario which which focuses on what the issue is is that let's say somebody um, uh, renounced ownership over him was mafkir him um, or other types of cases we've seen before sold him to chutzlaret um, where he has an obligation to free him he no longer owns him monetarily there's no ownership left there's only the personal status issue left what's his status and the Gemara raised the question for Knast and maybe the Knast still goes to the master even though he's not owned now if he's gored by an ox now that I said was understandable because um, that's really um, Knast doesn't have to be seen as payment for his value it's a fixed amount maybe it's more a punishment for the person who is negligent with his ox and let his ox go and kill someone um, and maybe it can go to this person who's the master even though he doesn't own him but the Gemara assumed that related to the idea of, go- of that would be the idea that if a um, if uh, he was injured uh, there was a case of personal injury that maybe the master even though he didn't own him monetarily would still collect personal injury if he was injured and that seems very strange because bottom line is he's not owned as property anymore by the master now we go on to issues that relate not directly to money and much more to a concept of status where we can understand why this uh, person might be you know why there might be a question about this person who is no, no longer owned as money but still has this status of Eved, why this might be relevant. So we pick up with Ibailahu, about 20 lines from the bottom, the line starting from the word Umidrash Chachamimhu. So Ibailahu, they raise the question. Ibailahu. Meukav get Shichrur, this uh, slave who is awaiting a writ of freedom um, and he's no longer owned monetarily. So Ochab Truma Oena Ochab. Can he still eat Truma if his master is a Kohen or not? Kinyin Kaspo Amarachmana is the basis on which he eats Truma because he is the property of his master, purchased by the money, the property of his master, the high law of Kini Kaspahu, and he's no longer property. Odioma, keeping the Mukhuz get Shikhur, or maybe because he's lacking that writ of freedom, Kini Kasbukarinan Bay. We still call him property. And again, strange idea. Like we could still call him slave. You could still call the master master, but this puzzle that emphasizes owned as property seems particularly inappropriate. On the other hand, maybe Truma is fundamentally a question of you know, your relationship. You're part of the household, right? And um, you still maintain that status relationship even though you're no longer property. But that's not the way the Gemara frames it. So let's
let's anyway see the answer. So the Gemara says like this: Tarish Malkam in here. The Amara Mesharshia Kohenet Shenit Arev Vlada Bevlad Shifchata. A wife of a Kohen whose baby got mixed up with the baby of her slave, and you don't know who is who. By the way, another good evidence that we're not dealing with racial slavery. Okay. So anyway, you don't know who is who. Um, so one of them is the slave, and one of them is the master, um, and you don't know who do. Okay. So I mean, not the master yet. The father's around, but anyway. They can both eat truma because you eat truma either as a kohen or as the slave of a kohen. Okay, they can't both work in the base of mikdash. And when they go to collect to the truma from the threshing floor, they get one portion. Now that makes it sound like somehow there's like one portion allotted per kohen family, so you're either the kohen or his slave. Between the two of you, you only get one portion. But that's actually not true. It's at the discretion of the person giving the truma how much he wants to give. And he can give all his truma to one kohen family. So what the Gemara says means is that they have to go together to collect the truma. Because the halach is that a slave is not allowed to collect truma alone at the threshing floor because people will think he's a Kohen. So he has to go with his master, the Kohen. So they have to go together to collect truma. Um, uh, now if this mixture grows up, okay, so these two boys grow up, um, and now one of them actually the father dies and now one of them actually owns the estate so one of them owns, owns the other you just don't know who is who they, so, Truma though normally right right They're not getting mixed up yeah but that's so so yes and that, but, so the point though is either that it's like yeah that's not the condition the condition is either that they only get one portion between the two of them or that's Pshad or the way the Gemara explains it they have to go together so anyway they, they can't go singly to collect the Truma if they grow up so one of them now owns the other because one of them now inherited the estate so they give each other a writ of manumission if you're the slave I'm freeing you if you're the slave I'm freeing you great okay fine now so the Gemara says like this now what do we think? We think that there's a case they're eating truma and they need to get a star shikhor, right? You've got to free them or else you're going to be stuck with this situation. So Gemara sees this as a case of Mu'ukav get shikhor that eats truma. Of course, it's a bizarre c- case because they are currently fully owned as property and there's no mandate to write one another a star shikhor. It's just something they're obviously going to do to improve their situation. So the Gemara says like this. Gemara says, what type of comparison is that? Can you If Eliyahu would come and tell us this is the slave and this is the master, so then one would fully be the property of the other. There, there's just a suffix. The reality is one has a full status of full property. It's not relevant for us. We just don't know which is which. Here, he's not at all owned. He's not property at all. We're just waiting for Shar Shikhur. So we don't know the answer. But the phrase seems to indicate that the Gemara, you know, that the logic would be that you would not eat Truma if we base it on the Pasukhev, which is focused on a sense of property. Okay, now... Well, that's true. It does... Can, well, no, Adarab, the whole Gemara about Elio coming is about, uh, is about uh, telling us who's a Mamza and who's not a Mamza. The Heishi Levavos Abanim to be Miyashev Yuchsen Yet Monkey Dushin. What? We'll get to it. Okay, so Gemara says like this. Okay, now, Ibailu. So that was the end of that discussion of Mu'ukav Get Shikhrur, which is such a fascinating, like, phenomenon, you know, about how do you sort of split the status Thank you so much. Okay, so, Ibailu, next question. Um, uh, where are we? Okay, Ibailu. Ever to Rabbi Knas. 
Machor ain't a machor. Now, normally, if my slave gets gored and dies, I collect nas, as we said. Now, that you would think is a, just a result of the fact that I happen to own him. Here's the question, though. Can I sell you my slave for the purpose of you collecting the knas if he gets gored? Like a future in the goring of my slave, okay? So, again, it's strange. Like, we have a, there's a Gemara like this in Baba Metziah. If my object gets robbed, um, gets burglared, um, I collect kefel. Can I sell you my object that you're entitled to collect the kefel if it gets burglared? You have no other right to it. It's totally my car, totally my object, but you've given me a dollar. sort of like a type of an insurance or something. <laughs> I don't know. Or the opposite, the reverse insurance. That if it gets burglared, you're the one who collects the kefel. Or does that have to be a derivative? Or do you have to be? No, you have to be the owner in order to collect. You can't get a right to collect for that purpose. Okay, so can you sell your slave to somebody who owns him for the purpose of collecting the knots if he gets gored? All right? So... <laughs> I don't know what it is. Is he sold or not? You can ask this for a mayor who says you can sell something and he asks this for the Rabbanan. When does Rabbi Mayor say you can buy something that doesn't exist in the world? That's by like buying the fruit of a of a palm tree, buying the future dates of a palm tree because you know that they'll eventually come into the world. Okay? Um, that actually isn't the original teaching of Reb Meir, but he gets associated with that teaching. Anyway, here, it's uh, highly speculative. It's not a natural thing that he's going to get gored. It's based on outside events. It's not about a thing that comes from the slave himself. And even if he gets gored, you don't even know the person who's going to wind up paying. Why? All the person has to do, since it's a knas, is admit that he did it, and then he's exempt from payment. So it's highly speculative. It's not a natural thing that comes from the slave. Maybe there's no way you can sell the future in collecting this knas. Okay. As a Rob, you know, uh, kills the Eved or, or someone kills an Eved yeah. you just get away with everything I killed him well no murder is different but by goring and of an ox if somebody is no yeah that's by that's by an ox goring that's not by murder murder is the Torah Adarab right okay so that's the chish of the Torah that even though it's a slave you can be put to death okay the says you can ask going to the run when do they say you can't do it you're trying to directly sell the fruit of the tree and there's no fruit around. The slave is around and the ox is around. So everything is ready to happen. Now the way that it says that the ox is around, it makes it sound like somehow it's likely or it's concrete. But the real point that Sosa says is when you can't sell a future to mean I can't sell you the fruit that doesn't yet exist. But what everybody agrees I can do is I can sell you ownership in the tree for its fruit. You own the tree for the purpose of its fruit. I'm actually giving you something to you right now. Concrete ownership in the tree for this aspect. So here, the Evid is sort of sub- somewhat like that. You, it's not like I'm selling you the Knas. Then, of course, that wouldn't work. I'm selling you the Evid for the purpose of Knas. So maybe that works even for the Rabbanon, because you can sell a tree for the fruit. On the other hand, maybe that's such an absurd idea. The purpose of Knas is not a natural thing that comes from the slave. It's not a type of an ownership in the slave, and so on. So that's the question. Does it work or not work? And you could ask it, maybe even for Rebbe Mayo. It shouldn't work, maybe even for the Rabbanon. It should. On the one hand, you, it's a part of, it's, a, it's an ownership in the slave himself. On the other hand, it's such a bizarre type of an outcome. So the Gemara says like this, so my, so what's the story? Amr, Amr Rabbi Abba, says Rabbi Abba, Tashimah come in here, the lead bias, okay, 
So this is Yili Beito Hein Yochlu by Truma. Those that are born into the house of a Kohen. So Ma, so Yili Vayis. Ma Tamadoma, what is this teaching you? What does that mean? That if you have a slave born into your house, he eats Truma. Why do I need to say this? In Kini Kesev Ochel, if somebody you purchased from the outside eats a slave, Yili Vayis Okoshkin, certainly somebody born into the house. Evil Kena Yitiomev, that was what I would say. No. Maybe if I had only had the Pasuk of Kini Kesef, I would have said, what type of slave eats truma? A slave that has a value. Um, so somebody born into the house also, if he has value, he eats. How do I know that a slave that is not even considered of any value sells for zero on the marketplace? Maybe because he costs more in his upkeep than he's able to produce. Okay, well, we'll see in a minute. The Gemara says maybe he's just, you know, so uh, he's got some oh. disease and he whatever requires whatever. So he's, uh, yeah, exactly. So maybe it's just, so there's nobody wants him. How do you know that that person is still considered to be my property and eats? If you're going to emphasize Kenyan Kesef. So Talmud Lomar, you lead bias. Born into the household. Nikol Makom. Any, you know, even if it has no value. Fine. Born into the household, whether he has value or doesn't, eats truma. But maybe a slave that I purchased focuses still on the aspect of value, and if he has no value after I purchased him, something happened, and he has no value, maybe he wouldn't eat. What's he supposed to do? Yeah, that's a separate question whether I have an obligation to feed him. But the question is, is he entitled to truma? Truma. Yeah, right. This is all about eating truma. It links the two. The same way we established that one born into the household, even if he has no value, eats no monetary value. Same is true of a slave that I purchased. Anyway, the whole purpose of all that is to say that there's a slave that has zero value that eats truma, zero monetary value. And now the question says like this: But one minute, if I can sell him for knas. If I can, then any slave, no matter how uh, high upkeep or whatever he is, or no matter how disgusting the slave is, always has a market value. Somebody will pay a penny for him to the possible. Sell him doesn't mean he's a market value. Nobody will want to buy him. Ah, so that's why Tosa says that because the other question you could say is, well, then why are you asking the question whether you could sell him just for knas? Say every slave has a market value. Somebody could buy him and maybe he'll pay off in knas. So, but no, no, no. I don't want to take him into my household for the risk of knas. That I'm not willing to pay. But if I can buy him just for knas you keep him in your house right. I just own him for the purpose of knas so then I don't have to do anything you have to deal with him I pay you a penny and I might get paid off thousand dollars so if that, I was assuming that anybody would be willing to take that that's a good bet okay so if you could sell him just for knas any slave you could get some money for him somebody would take the bet you pay ten cents and maybe you get ten thousand dollars okay Right, somebody will buy him. Not if I don't take possession of him. You just have to buy him for knas. Who wouldn't want to do that? I don't know. But so, you're setting that up. It's not, the class, it's not like the class is a thousand dollars. Well, thirty shekels is a lot of money, and all you have to do is pay a pruta. All we have to do is get him. All we have to do is get him to be worth a pruta. We're arguing that he's not worth zero. So who wouldn't pay a pruta to maybe get thirty shekel? Now who knows? You're right. Think how many people? Think how people pay pay a dollar for a lottery ticket. The odds are against you, but 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 a lot of people do so it's a good payoff so you will find somebody who will pay a pruta to maybe get 30 shekel yes right right why wouldn't he just 
Well, you mean maybe the owner wouldn't be interested in selling it for that purpose. Right. That's a good point. It's a good deal. Right. Right, all right. If people would want to take the risk, maybe the owner would want to keep him for that purpose. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, it's sort of like the lottery. The owner is like Michael here and does the math and says, it's not a, you know, that that value is less than a prut. And there's somebody out there that uh, doesn't have money that's willing to risk a pruta for maybe 30 shekel. But you're right. Anyway, that's the Gemara's question, okay? So the Gemara says, somebody will pay... Somebody will pay a pruta for this guy. But the owner, the, 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 the normative owner of this Eves, not the guy who owns him for... The nom, yeah. Right. So, so he doesn't pay the, the, the skullim, right? It's the guy who owns right. the Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh-huh. So but I'm willing to sell him for a pruta for the knot because I know that the odds are so against that. That's not a good deal. And somebody else is saying, like, I, I'm a poor person. I'm willing to take a risk for a lousy pruta. I might get 30 shekel, and he'll buy him for that purpose. Yeah. It's, like, it's sort of like how the lottery works. Get small money up front. Yeah, know? right, exactly. <laughs> All right, anyway, moving on. So the Gemara sounds like this. In yes, Iga of the Trefa there's an evidence that is a trefa that is has an internal injury and once he's con- a trefa the luck is that even if he's gored you don't pay 30 shekel because mm. the trefa is not considered it's only mm-hmm. considered to be somebody so who's right we're talking about this case that, so that would be the case of somebody that's not shavaklum that you can't even sell for knas because he wouldn't collect knas on such an effort so the Gemara says achazi lamekim kamei but I don't get it says the Gemara I mean, which is really the question you should have asked from the outset how is an evidence worth nothing the evidence can like attend to you take care of your needs right Why, so how could an evidence be worth nothing. At least you could like help you get your shirt on in the morning or something. Okay. So the Gemara says, yeah, right, exactly. This the maneuver So in addition to being a trefa, trefa, he's somebody that is like uh, you know filled with polyps and disgusting to be around. So you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want him to be anywhere in your presence. Okay, so that's the case. Fine. Moving on. So we don't know the answer of whether you can sell an ever just for knas. Ibaylehu. Going back to the half-half, which is the most fascinating case. And he decides to go ahead and to marry a free woman. Okay, he, the evident part of him is not allowed to, but is it binding? Because there's, he's, part, he's partially a free man, and maybe that's enough to create a binding kiddushin with this, uh, with this woman. Okay, maybe he's not allowed to actually then go ahead and consummate the marriage, because he's still half evident and so on, but maybe legally the kiddushin is binding. Mahu. Now we have questions in general about two free persons, free man and free woman. What happens if they try to marry one another and say half of me is married to you or half of you is married to me? So let's take a look. A normal free man said to a free woman, um, be married to half of me. That works. And the Lord says that the reason that that does work when the man says it to the woman is because the man is, is you know, Kiddushin uh, basically restricts the woman, not the man. Right? creates obviously monetary obligations on the man or whatever but in a polygamous society just because the man is married doesn't mean he can't marry another woman so the man can be half married to the woman in the sense of like he's not you know he's not all committed to this one woman he could marry another woman okay but <laughs> yeah yeah brings another meaning to the better half your other half right exactly uh, um, whereas a woman can't be half married to a man because she cannot be the other half of her can't be married to another man for a woman marriage is uh, is exclusive so the guard says to be married for me on like Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. No, that does not work. He's <laughs> married to half of me, So there it works. So here too, 
they let him be half let half of him be married to this woman. No, but maybe that's because the because in theory she could be married to all of him, meaning his whole status is that of a free person. Um, and at the end of the day, she is fully married to him. It's just a way of speaking in that case. Okay, um, Here she can't marry all of him. Half of him is a slave, and therefore the he, maybe we can't conceive of it that she's married just to the free man Shabot, and therefore the maybe the kedushin isn't binding because he's not fully a free person. Um, okay, uh, and now let's flip it. Let's say a man who tries to say to a woman, "Be a half of you married to me." If that doesn't work for the reason I said, because for the woman it's exclusive. The sheer bikiniano. I'm sorry, did I skip a line? Okay. The sheer bikiniano. My. On the other hand, there that's because he left something over because he did not fully marry the, the full of her, and um, and therefore um, it's not considered a full kiddushin. Whereas here there was nothing that he held back. The the full amount of him that's able to be married to to this woman is married to this woman. So what's the story? Okay. On the one hand, he held he didn't hold anything back. On the other hand, he's not fully his full status is not a you know he's not a full free person and therefore maybe he's not able to be married to her at all. So Tashma, come in here. Back to that case, the ox that gored and killed somebody that's half slave, half free person pays half of the money to the master and half to the heirs of the kofair because of the half that he's a free person that's not knas that's kofair right atonement payment and that goes to the heirs of the slave. Now, but if you say that the slave can't get married, how does he get heirs? How does the slave have heirs? Any, any, you know, any, any, any children he has from a slave woman are slaves, and, you know, and any children, I mean, whatever the assumption is, is that any children would not be considered to be his, his kids. Now, um, I want to get back to that in a minute, why the Gemara says it's related to Kiddushim, but let's, let's ask, see the Gemara's answer. Where does a slave have Yorshim? So the Gemara says, Amar Avada Barava, Kishaso Trefa. Okay? No, the axe actually didn't, didn't kill him. The ox just made him a trefa. Okay? Like, you know, gave him, an, gave him a fatal injury. And therefore, that's enough to collect, and he collects himself. Well, because he hasn't died yet. You know, Monty Python? I'm not dead yet? Okay, so, <laughs> I'm not dead yet, so he still collects his 30 shekel, but he's dying, okay? So, Umay Yorshav, it wasn't... You don't, you don't have to wait till he actually dies? Well, that's this opinion. What does it mean that his heirs collect? Not to say he he collects he's his own heir. I'm a rabbi. State she was pedar. I have two responses. Chada the Yoshev Ktani. It says his heirs. It doesn't say him. Oh kofer. Oh We're talking here about an atonement payment. Atonement for somebody's death. It's only after the guy dies. It's not enough. You don't pay it once there's an injury, even if it's a fatal injury. No. When it says you pay his heirs, it means his heirs should be the ones to collect. Oh, but there are no heirs, so that half of the kofar nobody collects and gets, and the guy doesn't and doesn't get wind up getting paid. So now, why is so this based on? You're right. The, the owner of the ox only pays half. Half cannot. Now, why is this based on the idea of kiddushin? So Tosa says, if anything, right, kiddushin is like stranger because if you think about it, if he was married to this woman, the uh, the uh, the ben choring shabot, this woman is an ashesish. The evid shabot, if you think of it, I mean, it's funny the way they sometimes describe it, is now having sex with. A married woman 
and that isn't his wife. <laughs> so maybe it even creates moms their problems. Why does it make it better that there's that the chazi moms? Why does it make it better that there's and doesn't in any way? You know, things that are born from Easter, killed and born out of wedlock. Tosu says, of course they're heirs. You don't need kiddushin to have legitimate children. Even a mom's heir is an heir. You don't need legitimate children. So what's the relationship of kiddushin? So Tosu says the relationship, the relevance here of kiddushin is. Why does a slave not have heirs? Why does a slave have sex with a free woman? Let's say a full slave. Okay, with a slave woman you could say they're slaves. But I don't know why these have slaves with a free woman. Are they like not heirs, his heirs? Right? And the answer is is because basically you say that until somebody is a free person, they don't sort of their their family structure isn't recognized. That's the Gemara statement of an Evide Nochis, right? So we don't recognize them like, you know, look, in, in you know, in Europe, the whole idea of a bastard child, right, is that this person might be my biological child, but the law doesn't recognize him as my child, right? And I have to then legally define him as part of... Biology wasn't enough, right? Somebody had to be legally recognized as part of the family, and that doesn't happen by... Not talking halacha here, I'm talking about secular society, it didn't happen by children out of wedlock. So in halacha, a child out of wedlock is legally recognized, but a child born to a slave, a slave refuses to recognize the family structure by slaves, and therefore the children are not seen of as legally part of the family, even though they're biological children. So Tosa says the same would be true if a slave had sex with a free woman. It might be his biological child. It's not because he did an isser that that kid isn't his. It's because we don't recognize the family structure. And therefore we don't recognize it legally as his child. Okay, therefore, the says, if though we recognize that Kiddushin were possible by this half-slave, half-free person, the statement that Kiddushin is possible is a statement that we recognize a family structure. And therefore Therefore, we'd be prepared to recognize the kid that resulted as his legitimate child. So that's a very interesting and fascinating point about the difference of heirs, which doesn't have to do with with legitimacy, but has to do with a recognition of the family structure. Yes. I'm just trying to draw a parallel. I don't know if you can do this, but like, you know, if I say like Ragla Shelvehemu Zuola, right? Yeah. So That's like, in the Gemara Kiddushin, exactly about this case, which I'm not going to get to. Okay. Right. That's what the Gemara discusses by Makadish Chatzisha, but I'm with that. That's in Kiddushin, not by us. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Thanks for the counsel. Yes. Sometimes Kiddushin get it. The Jew has a child with a non-Jew. The child is not his. Uh, uh, Halakhically, his child, right? Yeah. Well, but his heir, though? What? A Jew with a non Jewish woman? It's not his heir. heir. Right, correct. Same Same idea. The idea of being an heir has to do with the question of the the recognized family structure. Exactly. Okay, so now Gemara says like this. Okay, um. Okay. The same way if a man marries half a woman, she's not oh, in the Kudesh. That was the question. Uh, no, uh, I'm sorry. If, if this. Uh, no, 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 no. Now we're going to the flip. Now we're talking about the male slave. No, no, no. Which is the question. Right. Now he's saying it's, you know. No, no. We, we, let, listen, we dealt with the male slave, okay? And we didn't really know the answer to the male slave. Now Rava is making a statement about discussing a female slave, okay? And he's saying we have a halacha in his in Kiddushin that if a man says to a woman half of you is married to me it's not Mikudeshes now that's actually debated over there but Rav is saying assuming that's true by two free people that half a woman is not Mikudeshes so he's now switching the question to the woman 
Okay, we asked the question by the man. We didn't really resolve it. And now Rav is saying at least by the woman marrying a half-slave slave woman, half-free woman is not binding. It's like half a woman and that's not binding. Okay? Darish Rav Bar Rav Huna. Kishem Shem Kodesh Chati Yishen Mekodeshes. Kach Chati Yishen Mekodeshes. Baschorin. Kishenizkat Shein Mekodeshes. Says the same thing as Rav. Um, so the Gemara says, Amalei Rav Chizdas. Rav Chizdas said to me, Dami, how can you compare it? Hazem Shir Bikinyano. In the case of half a woman, he held back. He didn't fully do a Kenyan as full as possible. He said half and he could have said all. Okay. Here, he didn't hold anything back. He tried to marry, he married the entire woman as he was able. She was only half free. And maybe it should work. Okay. It works so it's Avery, doesn't it? No, that's not not it's not binding kiddushin. Um, so the Gemara says, Hadar ukim rabba bar. I mean, she's muteris but it's not kiddushin. Hadar ukim rabba bar Rav Huna Amar Allah. So anyway, it's the exact same question as we asked before, right? Except here it's telling you that the, that before the Gemara framed it in the abstract, here you actually had somebody staking out a position. It doesn't work. And then the challenge was, wait, there's a difference here. It's low shear bikinyano. Maybe it works better here. Okay. So the Gemara says, you know what? Then he reversed himself. And he explained, This stumbling block is, uh, is under your hand. Very beautiful line. A person does not really get a stand on their Torah, really like own their Torah, you know, understand it deeply. Unless you actually made a mistake. You go ahead and you said something public and you made a mistake about it and then you have to retract and you have to revise it. You really, really learn it deeply after that, right? You don't want to make that mistake again. Again, okay. So Alma Bisha Amrus, and he reversed himself, and he said Alma Bisha Amram is Kamikadish Chati Isha Ein Mikudeshes. Even though it doesn't work by a free woman to marry half, Avochetz Yishivah Vechetz Vatschon Shenis Kadsha Kidusha Kidushin. But by a half slave woman, it does work. My time, a husband Shir Bikinyano. In the case of free woman, you held back. Hachalos Shir Bikinyano. And here you didn't hold back, and therefore, since you married fully this woman, it takes effect as much as it's able to. It makes effect on the half of her because you were not only doing like a half act. You were doing a full act which was only able to take half effect. And if it works this way, presumably the same is true also that a man who's half slave who marries a woman presumably also if it's Loshir Bikinyano right? So presumably there too it would work for the half of him that's free. Although the Gemara never resolved it by the man here at least Rava is saying that by the woman it does work. What does that, what does that mean exactly? Shir Kinyano meaning hold back meaning that If I say to a woman half of you is married to me I'm not fully marrying her. I'm saying that I'm not fully committing to the marriage. I'm not doing a full act of marriage. Right. But if I say to a half-slave, half-free half woman, I am marrying you, I fully want to marry her, but it's only half, it's only half able to take effect because only half of her is free. So she, she, she can you know, only half of it. You know, some of it is held back. The first case. The second case, I wasn't holding anything back. It just wasn't all able to take effect. Uh, so it's about it's about his it's about his speech state it's about his speech act the, yeah the nature of the act in one case it was a half act in the other case it was a full act that only took half effect okay all right so now it says like this um Okay, my time. I'm a rakshesis. Kashem shem kadesh chati ishen mukadeshes kachet shishiv chatsu baschorin shen kachet in kedushah kedushim. So now we're going to throw rakshesis. Though did not feel it was a mistake. Rakshesis says no. It doesn't work for a half to be half marry a woman. It doesn't marry to marry a half slave, a half free woman. Now, if somebody whispers to you and says, "Ezui shivcha harufa," as Michael, he had Michael whispering to like I have Michael whispering to me. Ezui shivcha harufa. This chet shishiv chatsu baschorin. One minute, but in the parsha the Torah it speaks about somebody that is a half slave woman half free and it says that she is 
married to an Eved Ivri, it's the Kiddushin is Chal, if she's half free. I think he meant a normal slave woman. Anyway, if she's, so, so, that, right, we were learning about the half slave woman, Vaste Loniftasa, that's designated for an Eved Ivri, and the master sleeps with her, and there's a whole Korban, and part of the problem is that because she's half free, she's half married to this, uh, to this Jewish, to this Jewish slave, so you see that the Kiddushin is binding by a half slave woman. So the Gemara says, ah, so how can I say it's not binding? So we said that's married to an Eved Ivri, so you see it's binding. You see that there can be Kiddushin with a half-slave woman. And Merlo say to that person, Look, go take a walk over to Rabbi Ishmael. See what he says. He says that the case in the Torah of Shivcha Harufa is a slave woman that's completely a slave woman. That's not half-free. That's 100% a slave woman. And nevertheless, even though it's 100% slave woman, the phrase he uses is, Mu'ureset Levitivri, who is married to an Evitivri. Now, that can't happen. So we don't literally mean married. We mean that uh, common law marriage, that they're living together as husband and wife. Okay? So, 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 um, so, uh, so, according to Rabbi Shmuel, that she's a full slave woman, can she have Averson? Can she have Kiddushin to a Jewish man? What must you say when we say Mu'ureset? What do we mean my new recipe meaning that they're designated they're living together yeah he's allowed to say sleep with this evidently produce for me b- baby slaves but it doesn't mean that there's a legally binding marriage here so even if it's a half slave half free it doesn't mean that there's a binding kiddushin just means that she's living with this evidently okay so here's a position that half slave half free cannot be married at all um, because it's not a full kiddushin and the case in the Torah is not about Shifcha Knani, it's about about Shifcha uh, Harufa, is not a, is, 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 there's no Kiddushin at all, even if she's half-free. And again, presumably, according to this approach, according to the approach that it works by a Shifcha Knani to be half-married, presumably it works by a, by a, a half-Eved to be half-married. If it doesn't work by a Shifcha Knani, I think it's still somewhat debatable if it should work by an Eved, because the half thing plays out differently, like we said before, by marriage. Yes? He could have children with a first wife, yeah. And uh, would the children be his? A kalah? No, the children would be the masters. The children of a slave woman are are, are slaves. Oh, you're talking about a slave have, have Yeah, the master had designated this Evid Ivory well, to the correct, correct. Well, the sin is that then the master goes ahead and sleeps with her. Okay. But the, I'm saying. It's but the basic setup is that the slave has been designated. The Evid Ivory has right. been designated to sleep with his shifra knanis to produce children. Right. Right. But, but you, uh, then you said it's the master. Right, because right, that's the case of the Torah. Then the master goes ahead and sleeps with her and you have to bring a korban as a result. But what is that That's child? in violation. That what, wasn't... What is that child's philosophy? Oh, that would also be a slave. Yeah. And the child of a slave is a sla- of a slave woman is a slave. Correct. 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 Okay. So, the says like this. Okay. Um, okay. So, we haven't fully resolved that but at least anyway there's a significant opinion that a half-slave woman could be married to a... could, could have binding kedushin for, you know, at least for that part at least for that part of her that's free. So if this woman now was married to Reuven, and then she was freed, 
And then, <laughs> so this woman managed to do the impossible. She managed to be half married to a man, half of her married to a man. And then she got freed. So this other half of her now is free to marry another man. So not actually, she got to actually sleep with two men, but, okay, but at least maybe to be a binding condition. So half of her is married to Ruvain. Then, right, if she was fully free, then she couldn't only be half married. But because she was half slave, half of her was married to Ruvain. Then she got free. So the other half of her that isn't assigned to anyone or that isn't married, then she got married to Shimon. Okay, so she's half married to Reuven and half married to we'll discuss. Obviously, we'll discuss that in a minute, but now we're playing with this possibility. Well, I thought so, she had one and a half husbands. No, so, now they happen to be brothers, okay, Reuven and Shimon. Now, and then they both die. Mitzabem is lazy. Now, lazy can do Yibam. Reuven and Shimon neither could consummate the marriage because half of her was married to another man, okay? But now that Reuven and Shimon have both died, lazy now has a mitzvah of Yibam coming two directions. So he does Yibam and everything. Shalma Yisrael. So the enemy Koreba brothers didn't do anything, and she then sleeps with the third brother. Yeah, the enemy Koreba Eishes Shnei Mesim, and I don't call it the wife of two dead people. Okay, because if you remember, everybody remember Yevamos. We had a case where Ruben died. Shimon the brother did Mamar which sort of made him in line to do Yibum but he didn't yet do Yibum and then made him somewhat her somewhat connected to Shimon and then Shimon died and we said that Levi cannot do Yibum because this woman is coming to him from two brothers. Okay, if Shimon had done Yibum and then Shimon died, then she'd be coming to him from la- only directly from Shimon. R- the past with Ruben would have been erased. But because Shimon did Mamar, so Shimon sort of stakes his claim, but he but hasn't erased Ruben's relationship, and then Shimon dies, so she's coming to him from two, from two husbands, he cannot do Yibum. So this case would seem to be even worse. Like this case, she really was married to two husbands. So why is Levi allowed to do Yibum? The, Kalitzas, by the way, yeah, yeah. They, well, depending on the case, yes. I don't call it the woman of two of two, de- of two dead husbands. Why not? I mean, Manish, you seem to have been married halfway to each. So no, Manishach. So that was saying, I think, Michael, what you were saying. Because it doesn't work that Ruben dies and half of her gets married to Shimon. What happened when she was freed? What happened to the other half? So when when she got freed, either one of two possible things happened. Either the half of her that was married to Ruvain expanded, so now that she's fully married to Ruvain, because there's nothing holding her back, holding that other half back. So then she was fully married to Ruvain, and nothing happened when Shimon married her. That's one possibility. She's either fully married to Ruvain. The other possibility is, no, maybe when she was freed, it's like her whole identity changed, and then she's not married to Ruvain at all after she got freed. And then she's 100% Married to Shimon, the kiddushin to Shimon kiddushin kiddushin ruin lav kiddushin. So therefore, she's either all removed his wife, all Shimon's wife. She is not half and half. Once she got freed, one of two things happened: either Ruvain's kiddushin became a hundred percent, or it became zero. Well, we okay, we don't know. We don't know, but we know she's not both. Uh, we are going to ask. We know the answer is we don't know. But at least in this case, we know she can do yibum with Levi. No, okay, I mean, does, does, does Ruvain need to go and yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yes. 
Kedushat. If he wanted to marry her, he'd have to do another Kedushat. Tidma. Chesishim Ruvein. So now we're going to discuss it directly. She got married to Ruvein. V'nishkachlera. And then she was freed. The other half of her. Okay, so that's, now we're like doubling back and discussing, you know, the, 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 the discussion that was behind what we just said. What's the story? When she got freed, she stopped being married to Ruvain. She Her identity changed. They, they, the, the original Kiddushin, like, dissolved, you know, were, were uh, you know, uh, burst. And now she is, she's able to marry Shimon. What was the point of Ruvain doing this then? He didn't free her. The master freed her. Ruvain marrying, like, what did he get? I don't know. No, once there's no half of her that's a slave, the Kiddushin completes itself. Okay, I'm Ruvain. Kavasi didi mitzavah. Said Ruvain. Makes sense like me. I'm glad he thinks it makes sense like him. <laughs> this is by the case of the Shifcha Harufa, that the man who sleeps with her, they won't die because she has not yet been freed. So, and we're assuming it's a half-slave, half-free woman. And it means it's not full adultery because she's only half-married. Right? That's the case. So she's half-married to another man because she's half-freed. This other guy sleeps with her. And the Torah is saying, you don't get put to death because it's not really fully adultery because you're only half-married because he hasn't yet been freed. So ha-chufasha, has she had she been freed, Yumsu, they would be put to death, meaning had that other half of her been freed, then it would have been, she would have been 100% married. The Kiddushin would have completed. Okay? So, you see, look, it looks like once she's free, the original Kiddushin, the half Kiddushin, yeah, turns into full Kiddushin. How about Rabbi Ishmael? Remember, he says that we're talking about a woman that's 100% a slave woman, and she's designated to an Evidivri. So, there's no Kiddushin at all in that case. Doesn't mean as soon as she's freed, then it becomes a capital crime? I mean, she wasn't married at all, according to Rabbi Yishmael. How would Rabbi Yishmael explain the Pasuk? It means, had she been freed and, and married, then it would have been a capital crime. Okay? So, yes, but, but that wasn't obvious to Rabbi Zera. So, it's, for Rabbi Yishmael, it's obvious that's what the Pasuk means. They won't be put to death. It wasn't a capital crime because she wasn't freed. But, but being freed would make it a capital crime. I mean, she hadn't been freed and married. So that would be true even in the case of half, of half freed, right? Hachanami, in your scenario, where she was half freed and half married, the puzzle doesn't mean had she been freed, she would have been 100% married automatically. It means had she been freed and remarried and a new kiddushin had been done, then it would have been a capital crime. Exactly. Hachanami, here too, Shechufasha, had she been freed, it doesn't mean that she'd been freed, that would have automatically made her 100% married. It means, had she been freed, and then a new condition had been done, then it would have been a capital crime. But we don't know what happens when he's freed and she was half married. Does she become 100% married or zero married? That we don't know. Okay, now we're going to finish this up. There's this famous case, woman half slave, half free. And again, we're talking about freeing the man when he was half and half. Now we're talking about, and they forced the master to free the slave woman. So as Mark says, now, until now, we've been saying, why do you see the man? Because he has to have the mitzvah of having kids. So does a woman have a mitzvah of having kids? So, that says a woman is obligated in having kids and that's why you force the master to free her so she can get married and have kids. That's not the reason. It was a completely different reason. Men were taking advantage of her. 
she wasn't because she wasn't a fully a slave and maybe fully a free person. There's a question about whether anyway she was did she have a full like you know was she she wasn't married to a free man maybe she wasn't fully married to a fully designated to a slave she had no man to protect her and people were there for taking advantage of her and that's why they freed her and had nothing to do with this obligation to make sure that she would be able to be free and to have kids. All right, there we go. Not bad. <laughs>